Hi, welcome back to Off the Cuff, Evacor Healthcare's podcast. My name is Emily Coe, and I am your new host for Off the Cuff. Uh, Dr. Torelli has handed the baton over to me. Um, I've been with Evacor for about eight years, and my background is in public health and uh, in academia. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Mayat Shah, Chief Medical Officer of Evacor Home Solutions. Hi, Dr. Shah. Hello, how are you? Great, how are you? Wonderful to join you today and talk about a topic that's very close to my heart. As you know, my name is Mayank Shah. I serve as the Chief Medical Officer for our home-based primary care practice within Evacor. Uh, deliver uh, a, a spectrum of home-based care solutions, including chronic condition management, uh, as well as uh, annual wellness visit programs. I've had um, administrative roles, care delivery roles, educator roles, and uh, leadership roles all throughout my journey in healthcare. And so I've gone through uh, multiple phases of really understanding how technology integrates into care delivery. And so this is what brings my passion today in talking about telemedicine, and especially over the last year, uh, when we think about the pandemic and the influence it's had and acceleration of technology in healthcare. So um, yeah. uh, that's been kind yeah. of my, in a nutshell, my journey. I'm a family doc by training. So I'm a primary yep. care physician uh, okay. provider. I'm also certified in hospice and palliative medicine. Great, thank you. So um, let's jump right into the topic of COVID and its impact on telehealth. Um, I know um, I have some statistics here. Um, right after COVID hit, CDC um, did an analysis of uh, telehealth uh, visits and they increased by 154% um, by week 13 of their surveillance timeframe. So uh, have you seen that trend continue with telehealth? Absolutely. And I think um, to put it in context, you know, telehealth is not or and telemedicine, digital health, you'll see all of these words being used. Um, those are not new concepts for healthcare, right? They've been around for a while. Um, and we've had them in place to evolve over time. What essentially COVID did for us is accelerated that pathway to adoption, as well as implementation of telemedicine platforms and access to care to telemedicine in a more expedited fashion. So um, COVID definitely has had a big impact in evolving us in adapting this mode of care um, out from where we initially thought the context where it was powerfully impactful in a rural setting where you had poor access to care to more wide-based access. And it kind of created, um, you know, this forced trial scenario where, um, you know, our, our patients, our providers had no choice, right? You couldn't deliver the care the normal means that you're used to. And so you kind of were um, motivated to, to figure out a way to deliver care. This was ab absolutely the viable option that we had to, to connect with our patients and continue to deliver meaningful care when it was needed the most uh, by our communities. Right. And I know in the literature, um, it's telehealth has always been um, um, a panacea for rural health, but it came with cultural barriers and some adoption issues. And it seems like COVID helped um, hurdle some of those cultural issues and barriers um, for adoption. Um, but how does technology play into that? So if you have um, folks who are used to going to their provider at a local community health center or so forth, um, was there a, a big gap where you had to bring folks on board with you 
with technology, someone's first time doing a telehealth visit, do you have any visibility into that? No, absolutely. So just to put this in context, uh, Allegis Care as a primary care uh, home-based practice, our model entirely depended on going into the home and providing face-to-face -face visit. Obviously, as the rest of the country pivoted to telemedicine, so did we. And part of our provider groups had to figure out a way to deliver care to some of the most critically ill patients in our communities. And we had to pivot to telemedicine approach. And I'm happy to report that we completed over 60,000 plus visits uh, doing telemedicine over last year in 2020. Wow, and so that quick pivot taught us a lot of lessons about, you know, what, what do we need to do to bring providers along and how quickly can we pivot to this model? So um, when we think about the telemedicine adoption, there are, there are many barriers. There's provider level barriers where you need to bring providers along and help them understand the technology, get them comfortable with using this platform of communication. And the reality is that most providers are not trained to deliver virtual right. care. We were trained to deliver face-to-face -face care. And so how do, we, how do we really think about best practices? What are some key messages and things that you need to learn as you deliver care? The good news is that providers are very passionate about delivering high quality care. And so as, as, as when you get these tools in front of them and show them some common techniques, you can quickly overcome the barriers. And even our, our most reluctant providers really love this platform and being able to connect with the patients and see them at a time when they really couldn't do anything else. And Absolutely. so um, there, there was definitely an empowerment that we saw you know, through that transition. As you mentioned, there were also patient level barriers and some of these barriers even continue to today, you know, even today. So we know that the pandemic highlighted those social determinants of health and created a, a real gap in terms of access to care and the impact that they have on health outcomes. Um, and so I think uh, it, it came to surface that even deploying telemedicine was not the solution to bridge those gaps, that some of these gaps continue to persist. And one of the statistics that FCC put out uh, in the beginning of last year is that despite our advances in technology, there are still 42 million Americans in the United States that do not have access to high-speed internet, for example. And that's right. something that you, you need if you're gonna deploy a telemedicine platform or conduct a healthcare visit with a patient um, you know, for about 40 minutes or 30 minutes of their time. And so uh, those critical dependencies and social determinant gaps highlighted creativity. And how do we think about connecting with them? Is telephone only the option that we have? What can we do about bridging that gap? Exchanging, uh, you know, store and forward technology where you can take pictures or videos and then send them on and then review them at a later time. Those are all tools that we ended up deploying to continue to deliver care, even in those scenarios. Uh, but, and again, we continue to highlight that as an opportunity going forward, that we need to find solutions to bridge that gap. Uh, but, you know, technology, and again, those barriers um, have become, you know, evolved over time. Uh, at, at first, when we started this pandemic, our population is, you know, as you, as you can imagine, 65 years and older, Medicare Advantage population our biggest concern was that they're not tech savvy and then we'll never be able to connect with them on these technology virtual video platforms. Mm -hmm. Well, we were absolutely surprised. 75% uh, <laughs> of our patients 
can actually connect with us through the technology platforms. FaceTime, um, Google Duo, all of these platforms are fairly common these days. And our patients actually felt comfortable using them to connect with us, you know? So um, that, that, that was a big surprise that we learned, you know, through this experience and overcoming at least our biases and our barriers that we mm -hmm. imagined uh, that didn't yes. really pan out to be true. Right. So, yes. <laughs> that's probably, that group's probably most, the heaviest user of Facebook now at this point. So they're very familiar yes. with technology <laughs> for my mom anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I know you're, you're, it's very true that, uh, you know, this technology is definitely creating more comfort level. And, mm -hmm. and I, I have to say that the technology itself is also improving, right? Uh, the video yeah. platforms passed over the last decade, we have come a far way from where those platforms have been to where they are today. A lot of these platforms have become very secure and easy to use so that um, they, they are either, either single click or just simple information that needs to be added onto the platform. So they have, they have really focused on, on customer experience and made it very streamlined and user-friendly so that there's not a lot of steps involved in, in connecting uh, the video platform. Yeah, I could imagine um, the confidentiality that, was a concern um, of patients um, initially. So, so yes, absolutely. When we initially engaged in this offering, you know, our visits through telemedicine, that was one of the big concerns. Is, um, are these platforms safe? If I connect with you, you know, is there is the information confident? Can other people drop in and and be part of this video visit? And so we had to really talk to them about what it means to have a HIPAA secure platform. And if there are security concerns, that's why having those options is so important, right? Because when they have this concern about security, now we can say we do have an option that's HIPAA secure. If you're concerned about security and protecting your information, this is probably the best way to go on how we can connect. Um, and so. Uh, you know, that again, that that flexibility of having those options was critically important to that that success and getting that patient to get more comfortable. Mm -hmm. One of the great things we heard is once we actually conduct first visit, you know, about 95% of those patients wanted to do it again. And they felt <laughs> very comfortable in connecting through those platforms and 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 really realized the value of that platform. So, yeah. um, you know, it's been an amazing journey for both patients and for our providers in, in uh, securing that connectivity, you know, during this very difficult time. So when I think of telehealth or telemedicine, um, you know, I think a behavioral health would be a, is a great venue for telemedicine or telehealth, um, chronic care. Are there any other specialties that lend itself to being really um, a great, you know, that telehealth really supports, or are there some specialties where it's not as, not as great uh, for telemedicine? Um, yes, and, and um, you know, this area is evolving very rapidly. Um, so in specialties that we didn't think that we, you know, could be amenable to telemedicine, we're actually finding out that we were wrong that they are actually available through telemedicine approach. And, and you could do a lot of things through telemedicine, maybe not everything, but you right. could do a lot of things. Um, so you, you brought out a great example, you know, psychiatry and behavioral health has moved significantly towards telemedicine. And now there's even thought process that it, it doesn't need to go back. It doesn't need to return back to face-to-face -to -face because this is such an effective mode of care delivery and connectivity that you could deliver the same value and the same impact 
that you would be able to do in person. And so there isn't a gap, there isn't anything that's missing when you, when you pivot over to that telemedicine platform. I felt like ortho care, for example, could right. not be delivered through telemedicine. I thought, oh my goodness, physical therapy, you have to have your hands on a person. You can't mm-hmm. do virtual care. Well, we're, we're proving to be wrong. In fact, you, there are a lot of exam maneuvers that provider can do in the office. You can guide a patient to do on the screen and you can actually get great assessments done uh, on, on you know, uh, ortho conditions and, and really give them a diagnosis or offer the next steps in treatment and management. Physical therapy, <laughs> through this pandemic, what we saw is that physical therapy was being delivered through virtual platforms and successfully delivered where you were able to rehabilitate patients and show them exercises and, and guide them. And, and it, that's been an amazing uh, journey and experience that I felt like, uh, you know, that's panned out. That's uh, really so, incredible. Yeah, it, it's been great. I think we've learned so much and we continue to learn every day how we evolve. And we're going to see a lot of innovation coming out uh, in the fu- near future that talks about every specialty and what pieces of that specialty can be delivered through telemedicine. Yes, I've been reading um, a lot of different society-based uh, recommendations for what lends itself to telehealth and, and what would be better as an in-person visit. So um, also I wanted to clarify, we've been using the terms telehealth and telemedicine interchangeably. Um, is that, are they the same thing um, or do, is it okay to use those terms interchangeably? Emily, that's a great question. And, you know, that's, it's a, an area of confusion that I see a lot in the literature out there or in common conversation. In fact, there are three big words that you'll see used. One is telemedicine, mm-hmm. you'll see telehealth, and then you'll hear of digital health. And all, of, all three of them have different implications or different scope uh, to be exact. So telemedicine refers to delivery of diagnostic and therapeutic care and management through a telemedicine form. So that includes audio visits as well as video visits where there's a direct care delivery being provided. Telehealth refers to a lot more than just that care delivery. It refers to other forms of care delivery uh, that, are, that are now pivoting towards more of a, a virtual platform. So that includes things like electronic visits, where it's not synchronized visits, but it's asynchronous visits where you're text messaging back and forth. It's also store and forward technology where you can um, take a picture of something that happened and your doctor's not available at that moment, you can send it to them. Uh, You can send pictures of your rashes, your medications, and then you can send it to them for an evaluation down the road. Telehealth also includes remote patient monitoring, which Mm -hmm. is where you can have a smart device connected. And and it's not really delivering care, but collecting information that's helpful in managing your health overall. When we talk about digital health, digital health includes another dimension, which we call mobile health. So in over the last, uh, I would say decade, we have seen an exponential rise in applications or apps that are available on smartphone and smart devices that cater to health management, right? So you have peer support groups, you have self-management groups, you have behavioral health apps. All of these fall form under the mobile health technology. You have smart devices that are now in the market out there. You can wear smart watches that can monitor your right. heart rate. Um, you know, and uh, all of these tools are now available to a consumer. So that digital health really refers to that overwhelming umbrella 
that can help you coordinate all of these pieces and customize it to a patient's experience and health outcome. So there's a nuance of difference between telehealth, telemedicine, and digital health. And then all of these aspects of care are critically important because all of them are evolving in our right. market. Yeah. And so I think understanding them is critically important. And then how do we help uh, leverage our patients in understanding the value that they bring you know, to their overall care? Right. Um, so care kits, do we often send patients care kits to get them set up for a televisit? So a great question. And again, it goes back to what is the potential for telemedicine? What can you deliver safely and effectively in this, you know, through this platform? Um, I, I ex expressed to you one of the big key social determinant gaps that we, we identify, right? So for example, the 42 million Americans who have poor access to high-speed internet. Let's say we want to deliver a telemedicine virtual visit for those patients. How can we do it? The best option we have available right now is delivering these kits that are now designed by different companies. And these kits, what they house is at the basic form, they'll either have a smart device, smartphone, or a tablet um, that is, already has a loaded internet connectivity. And simply, it gets mailed to the patient, the patient opens it up, and it automatically dials into the platform that they need to use at the time of their appointment to connect with their provider. So that's the basic kit that we have seen. The more complex kits, you know, carry with them a lot of instruments that now can have Bluetooth connectivity to their smart device. So it could be a stethoscope, it could be vitals machines like a blood pressure cuff, uh, you know, a thermometer that measures their temperature, it could be a pulse ox machine. I've seen EKG leads uh, that are part of that kit. I've seen autoscopes, autoscopes and, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, oral scopes that allow you to look in the back of the mouth and in the ear. Um, so a lot of, you know, it's evolving. A lot of new devices are coming into the market that allow us to conduct the office level of visit in a virtual platform. And now those are being packaged as a kit that you can actually send to a patient. Great. What about ultrasounds for prenatal care? Yeah, that's also evolving. In fact, uh, the new devices they have made can attach to a smartphone. It's, it's a little kind of like a jump drive type device. You attach to your smartphone and now it can convert into an ultrasound machine. So technology is really evolving in the medical that's device really area. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so Dopplers and ultrasounds. I mean, all of that is, you're gonna see such an escalation of that innovation coming forward. Uh, smart device integration is an ex exponentially growing industry at this point with a lot of investment and a lot of innovation occurring. I, I know we're all excited about, you know, where it's going. I, I think COVID, um, it, it, unfortunately, it took a pandemic for us to jumpstart uh, telehealth and make it just common practice in the United States. So Emily, I'll leave you with some tips on um, as a provider or as uh, the healthcare market, how we should think about telemedicine, what are some key principles to keep in mind as we navigate through the next phase of our pandemic? And as we think about how do we leverage this technology going forward? Um, the first and foremost is that we need to go back and look at the value proposition of our face-to-face -face visit. You know, what, what is it that we delivered that was really meaningful during that encounter? As I think about primary care perspective, from my, my perspective and from the work we do, the most important aspect of, of that, uh, what we deliver is the relationship, right? What you build, the ability to hold their hand when they're talking about a very difficult scenario or situation. 
the nonverbal cues that you can deliver, the empathy and compassion you can show when you are actually seeing that person face to face. We don't want to lose that going forward. That's an important part of care delivery and impact that really uh, creates value from a patient experience perspective. So how do we balance that with what telemedicine brings to the table? So I think that's one of the key things to keep in mind as we evolve. The next phase is focusing on social determinants of health. We need to evolve our thinking around social determinants to focus not only on the traditional social determinants like food security, transportation, but now thinking about technology access, technology availability. Um, how can we make it as easiest as possible from a consumer experience perspective? And then the last thing is really think about a unified effort. We need to bring our regulations, uh, you know, as a market across the board, support and activate uh, both from a provider patient community perspective um, and integrate it as part of our overall healthcare delivery across the board. And I think if we keep these three principles in mind moving forward in healthcare, we are gonna see some significant advancement in how we can continue to leverage virtual care and, and improve quality of care across the board in healthcare. Great, thank you. I'm really excited to see how this plays out over the next you know, 10, 20 years. So that's yes. really great, thank you. <laughs> We have holograms, <laughs> hologram <Hey>. care. <laughs> <laughs> no, that you you may it's not too distant in our future. I mean, think about the the options we have available. Imagine a kiosk, and this is already happening, by the way, um, a kiosk that you can set up at every grocery store, every department store, where mm -hmm. you could have this virtual access to your doctor, your provider, not somebody different. One of the key things we need to solve for is this fragmentation, right? So right now we have so many vendors that are providing virtual care and everyone is jumping in to meet this need of access to care. But at some point, we don't wanna lose that continuity of care and that trusting relationship aspect that truly adds value in medicine. So how do we preserve that as we navigate through this virtual care model? And then, you know, imagine that this technology being accessible in so many different ways uh, that we really can make it, you know, convenient for patients to really use and leverage this going forward. And with that being said, I have not seen my doctor in over a year <laughs> because I haven't wanted to go in to the, the doctor's office and I haven't need, needed other than an annual visit, you know, just to check in. Um, I haven't needed to see a doctor, so I probably should reestablish well, that. Well, you're not... You're, you're not alone. There are hundreds of millions of Americans who do not see their doctor on an annual basis. So you're <laughs> definitely not alone. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you about telehealth. Emily, thank you so much for your time today. This is a passionate area for me. So I always enjoy talking to you and it's been a great conversation. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Off the Cuff. Join us next month when we will have another exciting conversation about healthcare. care.